This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Life can be pretty dang hard. Get some support at betterhelp.com super. Hey, brother. Okay, guys, it is no mystery that there is no one out there who hates Star Wars more than people who love Star Wars. It is such an incredibly unique and unusual fandom to be a part of, where the thing that you love the most might be the thing that someone else absolutely despises. Personally, I believe that this stems from the fact that it is a franchise that has literally been rolling out over the past 40 years. Meaning it's not only hit a huge variety of fans at varying stages of life, but it's coming out during different eras of technology and just modern history. And the most recent sequel trilogy of this series came out during a period of time when fans arguably were at their absolute most well-informed. A time where channels like this one that you're watching right now have gone through and carefully dissected every frame of every movie or trailer, where we were just constantly in search of clues or hints as to what might come next. For me, to this day, I remember the moment when I spotted this statue inside of Anakin's room in Phantom Menace and was 100% certain that it was going to be a future reference to Maz Katana. Like, oh my gosh, how are they gonna connect these dots? I mean, after all, she did have his original lightsaber that Luke lost at Cloud City. The people making this stuff were sticking to the details. But that's the thing about this trilogy too. It's literally helmed by two different directors with two very different visions for how it should go. And they ended up being cinematically sandwiched together, meaning that some of those visions were either just ignored, abandoned, or just literally argued about on screen in front of us. Jedi's weapon deserves more respect. And as a result of all this, I think we have a franchise that has literally captured the attention of millions of people over four decades, facing one of the greatest uphill battles in all of cinematic history, and that is coming to a conclusion that we can all agree on. Part of me actually thinks it was an impossible task, but after two years of contemplation myself, I have come up with one change in each of these movies that I think would make it palatable. Because that's what we're really shooting for, isn't it? Palatable. Kidding you guys, I love Star Wars. Let's do this. <laughs> guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, MeUndies. We are inside of that time of year where we could spend days, weeks, even months trying to find that perfect gift for someone. Luckily, MeUndies is back with their ultimate gift guide so you can save time and focus on coming home for the holidays with the most comfortable of gifts. Holy crap, you guys, I have to tell you that I have been on the subscription plan for MeUndies this entire year and I have built up like an entire drawer full and at this point in time, they are literally all that I wear. It is truly one of those products where like once you've experienced the difference, you can really just never go back. So if you would like that comfort or to give the gift of comfort, MeUndies is a great way to go. In fact, my wife's side of the family does one of those white elephant gift exchanges every year, and this is totally what I'm giving. Because who doesn't want super comfortable under britches? The answer is no one. No one doesn't want that. Think. So get your festive on with the new MeUndies holiday collection, featuring classic plaids you know and love, sweater-inspired prints that will quickly become favorites. Their undies loungewear and sleepwear are made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are ideal for sitting fireside with loved ones and chatting about life over a cup of hot cocoa. Or get the family photo you've always dreamed of with matching PJ sets and make every day a spa day with new plush robes and plush slippers. Whatever you decide, everyone will be rolling in their new year comfier than before. Available in sizes extra small 
Paul through 4XL, Meundies has a little something for everyone on your list. If you've never given a robe as a gift before, let me tell you, robes hit. And MeUndies has a great offer for our viewers. If it is your first time purchase, you get 15% off and free shipping straight to your door. No more having to fight for your life at the mark marking lot, Paul. That was close. Parking lot mall. That's what I meant. Mall parking lot. To get that 15% off and free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, head on over to MeUndies.com slash theories. Again, that is going to be 15% off and free shipping at MeUndies.com slash theories. Link is in the description down below. Okay, so to be fair, I think there are a lot more than three simple changes that would be necessary to like cover everything meaningfully. For example, Poe, Finn, and Rose all deserved significantly more character build out. My two second version of this is that I think each of them very nicely could have represented a different path that an individual inside of the galaxy so at war might have taken. Moving on, Rey, strictly speaking, doesn't need to be a Palpatine, although for the purposes of the rest of this video, I'm going to assume that she still is. And then there's Phasma, who was an utter disappointment. Like, come on. You get Gwendolyn Christie to play a character and don't use her? What? But so let's kick things off and of course start with The Force Awakens, which full disclosure is my favorite movie in the entire series. If there's one thing that I think the series got right, it is the introductions to all of these characters. Who talks first? You talk first, I talk first. But the thing that I love the most about this series in particular is the way that it flipped the story as we know it on its head a little bit, especially when it comes to Kylo Ren. Because we've seen Anakin and Luke both kind of go through very similar paces. They are effectively innocent to the greater galaxy, discover and trained under the the Jedi, however, also feel the pull towards the dark side. Anakin ultimately turns and Luke ultimately doesn't. They, they pretty much explored the two available routes there. But with Kylo, they were able to do something a little bit fresh. They effectively have this new young Darth Vader style character who is insanely powerful, like can stop a blaster in the air powerful. I remember sitting in the theater when that happened and was like, oh snap! Like what are even the physics of that? A blaster is like lasers? Lights? The point is, Kylo is very obviously already following the path of the dark side, but is actually feeling the pull of the light. This goes against everything we've ever seen in Star Wars before, and it really comes to a head at the climax of the movie where Kylo has to come face to face with his father, AKA Han Solo. This scene is kind of wonderfully staged, almost literally. You have two opposing characters positioned quite literally center stage with both sides of the argument watching. On the one hand, you have Rey, Finn, and Chewie, and the other, literally the First Order. Whatever happens here is not behind closed doors. It's on public display. There will be implications. It's kind of your classic good versus evil, light versus dark. But in this moment, what we're really witnessing is those two ideals not literally at war with one another, that is to say Han versus Kylo, but instead it's a much more internalized war. Ben Solo versus Kylo Ren. And the ethics involved here are seriously complex. Like Kylo can strike down his own father and basically sever one of his last final ties to the light side of the force. Or he can do nothing. It's honestly a little bit of an impossible situation and he's under a huge amount of pressure and there's literally no one for him to turn to. That is other than Han himself, who is also in a rather unique situation. His very life is not only at stake, but at stake at the hands of his own son. God, you guys, this scene is so good. Which brings me to change number one, which is right here. Freeze it! Change number one. Han presses the button here to turn on the lightsaber, not Kylo. 
And now, to be fair with this scene in particular, it's kind of ambiguous to this day. It's very possible this is just what happened. So the change that I am actually proposing is that we eventually learn for sure that that is what happened. In my mind, everything about this change changes everything. Han can clearly see that his son is in deep and is willing to do anything to help him out in this moment, including making the ultimate sacrifice. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And in doing so, there are a few major implications. One is that Ben is now forever incapable of harming his own father. Two is that Han's final moment is super heroic and not in a like, hooray, we blew up another Death Star kind of way, but like in a down to earth, meaningful kind of way. And three, while it might be easy to say like, well, no, if that happened, wouldn't Ben just start turning to the light side? I don't even think it would because Ben's relationship with the dark side is kind of unique. It's not this like grandiose rule the galaxy type of thing. It's very internal. Like I don't read Ben as someone who is actively trying to achieve some type of great power so much as he's literally trying to make sense of his own trauma which is significant. And as such, I think the loss of his father any which way is much more likely to drive him further to the dark side, at least for now. And so this is where we move on to the next film. And if The Force Awakens was all about Ben's relationship with his father, then I think The Last Jedi is all about his relationship with his mother, AKA Leia. Before their big moment, we have another scene that I think really nicely illustrates this idea that Ben's allegiance isn't really to the dark side of the force so much as it is just simply darkness. He has this really severe sense of abandonment, this idea that the people that he's looked up to betrayed him or let him down. When he got powerful, his parents sent him to another planet where his uncle tried to kill him. But what we see in The Last Jedi is he's receiving this abuse from the other side as well, where Snoke is completely badgering him about his mask and being bested by Rey and his torment over the loss of his father. Bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber. If anything, even more than the loss of Han, I think this scene right here is way more likely to start driving Ben towards the light side of the force. It's that realization that it's not just mentors on the light side of the force that could make you feel alone or abandoned. And we see this very thing play out a little bit more in the following scene where he's piloting a TIE fighter on an attack at Leia's ship. In this scene, there is one very specific thing that we see happen that I think is critically important for Kylo Ren's character. And that is, we see him very clearly sensing the presence of his mother on that ship. He has his finger on the trigger, and doesn't pull it, but someone else does. And this is once again, almost a circumstance where one of the only other ways that Ben could fully commit to the dark side of the force is taken away from him. This distinction feels important to me on how he reads this situation. He had these opportunities to commit fully to the dark, first with his father who ultimately ended up helping him and second with his mother who is attacked by someone else on his team. These moments reflect others that we've seen inside of this saga as a whole. First with Anakin and the Tusken Raiders who abducted his mother or Order 66 when he's to wipe out all of the Jedi even the younglings. And for Luke, this moment is when he's fighting his own father. He's won the battle. Vader is finished, but the emotional toll of taking his father's life is the choice he doesn't make. And that's what saves him. Or for that matter, even if we're to fast forward to the next movie, this is exactly what Palpatine is trying to get Rey to do. Kill me 
and my spirit will pass into you. You kind of see what I'm getting at here. If Kylo has been deprived of these opportunities, especially for supportive or heroic reasons, then it effectively cuts off his path to the darkness entirely. And that is where I think we can start inching our way into change number two. Leia, of course, survives this attack and floats through space. And I'm sorry, you can love this scene if you want to, but I personally do not. But it's fine, I'm not even changing it. I'm keeping it in. Leia surviving here doesn't throw off my plan. Oh, but can, can I just, can I just, can I just, can I just say, it's not even the floating that bothers me, I'm lying. It does. What, what gets me is the surviving in the cold, dark vacuum of space after your ship's cabin has been blown up. Like what? But you know what, I'm past it. I always knew that part was gonna be hard for me. We did it. But here is where I think The Last Jedi really needed to make a change. They spend a lot of time setting up Laura Dern's character, Vice Admiral Holdo. And she is awesome. Leia trusts her, Poe doesn't. Poe is wrong. It's a whole thing. In the end, it turns out she can lead. She can fill Leia's shoes. She can be the future of the rebellion, which is good because Leia just took a really serious blow when her cabin was blown up and she was thrust into the icy cold of space. So the point is though, that later when they realize they can turn the ship around and make the jump to light speed at the supremacy and tear it in half, there is this beautiful passing of the baton opportunity available to us. Leia is hurt and frail. And we literally just spent the entire movie establishing how this really awesome character is capable of leading, even leading Poe, who is not a very leadable character. All we need, all we need is someone who is able to sit in the chair and pull a handle and make the jump to light speed. Let this person be Leia. Ultimately, what this would do for the story is have given Ben Solo the opportunity to take a shot, make the decision not to take that shot and let Leia go out like a freaking boss in the most incredible silent space explosion I have ever seen. Again, this accomplishes more than one thing. It completely closes off any pathway that Ben Solo may have had to fully commit to the dark side of the force. And it allows for both Han and Leia to go out as heroes for the resistance. But, and again, I still think this is important for Ben's arc as a character, does not mean that he would return to the light yet. If anything, once again, I think this further isolates him because at this point, Snoke is gone, Han is gone, Leia is gone, Luke eventually will be gone. Everyone he has ever looked up to is out, meaning maybe for the first time ever, he needs to start finding his own way. But we're not there yet. Close, but not quite. This brings me to the third installment of the series and what would be my third change in the rise of Skywalker. I think it is completely understandable that at this point in time, Ben is just a straight up loose cannon. He is filled with emotions and has absolutely no clear direction. That is basically the definition of a loose cannon cannonballs be emotional. At this point, all he knows is that there's this girl from the desert who showed up who has been kicking his butt the entire time with his lightsaber. Like his frustration with Rey can come from a myriad of different places. It literally doesn't even need to be this like light versus dark conversation anymore. I mean, from his perspective, she beat him in the forest. She saw his own father, Han Solo, as a father figure, she went to Luke, his former master for Jedi training, and ultimately declined his hand in partnership. This is no longer an intergalactic battle. This is a fight between two people, which means their feud 
is with each other and it has got to come to a head and it does. I think their final battle with each other can be slash should be slash simply is cathartic. This go round, unlike in the forest, he has her beat. She saw Han as this father figure just the same way that he did. She trained with Luke just like he did. And everything is being unraveled in the situation for Ben Solo. He can finally see just how similar these two people are. They follow nearly exactly the same paths and clearly she can still be good. I'll admit this might sound a little over the top or even a little dramatic, but I think what we're realizing here is that Ray's simple existence is literally resolving his trauma. And I think that Han arrives here as a ghost to make this clear. Kylo Ren is dead. My son is alive. Which brings me to my final change, because at this point we have come full circle. We're watching the exact same scene play out again. Han explains to Ben that while his mother is gone, what she stood for lives on. And again, just like before, Ben says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And again, just like before, we see him start to raise his lightsaber and then turn around and throw it in the ocean. And right there, that moment when he raises the lightsaber, cut scene, that is what I would change. Do not have him throw the lightsaber into the ocean. Instead, Fast forward to the final battle with Palpatine. Rey is completely outmatched and outnumbered. Her back is against the wall. When out of the darkness, we see Kylo Ren's iconic lightsaber turn on again, except this time, instead of angry and red, it's pure white and smooth. The transformation back to Ben Solo is complete and we get an absolutely epic moment of visual storytelling coming to fruition. In a single moment, I think we, the audience, would understand everything. Who is it that showed up to help Rey and what does this change in color mean? Kylo Ren's lightsaber is one of the most iconic artifacts to come from this trilogy. And I think that it perfectly encapsulates his entire journey, his inner struggle from Ben Solo to Kylo Ren and back again. So while Star Wars tends to exist in this kind of grand scale intergalactic good versus evil. I think that Ben as an individual represents a much more relatable and human version that all of us can relate to. And that is our own trauma and whether or not that's something that pulls us towards the dark or if it's something that we can actually learn or grow from and maybe even be stronger. Guys, I have to tell you that writing the script, I got chills like 50 times. And when I started, I genuinely did not intend for this to be about Ben Solo's character arc in particular. It's just kind of what everything kept gravitating back to for me. But I am very curious to hear what you guys think. Is there something about the sequel trilogy that you would change? Let us know in the towel section down below. But guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe if you haven't already. If you'd like to see some more Star Wars action from us, you can check out this video right here where we dive into the great ice cream mystery of Star Wars. It is hilarious and fun and upbeat. Be sure to go and check it out. But otherwise, until next time, bye.